0: You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. much for joining today again the manifesting god podcast i'm your host prophetess marie elizabeth so good to see you all on this evening listen if you're under the sound of my voice you know what I'm about to say? God has kept you yet another week. God has kept you. He has kept your mind. He has kept you in perfect health. I know, I don't know about you, but the allergies, the sciences, all this is happening with me. And some of you have even more serious ailments, but God is keeping you in perfect health. In perfect health. Let's go ahead and get started here. Go over to 1 Samuel 2. And uh, let's see, where do I wanna start at? I think I'm gonna start at um, verse two. Now remember, first and second Samuel mostly focuses on Samuel and Saul and David and Solomon and David's reign as king. However, tucked in to chapter one and verse two is Hannah's prayer. Hannah is Samuel's mother. And we're gonna start there. Because this is significant It's just tough, just a little small passage That tells us how What Hannah was going through What she was feeling As she began to pray uh, To God for Samuel And then we're going to continue to um, The next portion of scripture That I want to cover And then I'm going to tell you the title So Hannah's prayer in verse 2 I'm sorry, chapter um, 2 Of First Samuel verse 1 It says, then Hannah prayed, Tana prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, uh, my horn is lifted up. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows. And by him, deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble, those who stumble, see those who stumble are armed with strength those who are full hire themselves out for food but those who were hungry and are hungry no more she who was barren has borne seven children but she who has had many sons pines away the lord brings death and makes alive he brings down to the grave and raises up the lord sends poverty and wealth he humbles and he exalts now i want you to go over to luke I want you to go over to Luke um, 1 and 46. And remember, this is uh, Luke's account of Jesus's ministry, and it's divided basically into three parts. It's talking about Jesus's ministry in Galilee, Jesus's ministry in Judea and Perea, and his ministry in Jerusalem. And there is a uniqueness to Luke speaking because he's seen the uh, the actual, he walked with Jesus, and there's a material devoted to, uh, a part of his uh, writing is devoted to Jesus. Jesus' ministry, his closing ministry in Judea and Perea. So uh, I'm going to continue. Stay with me because I'm going somewhere. I'm going to tell you the title in just a moment. It says in verse 46 of Luke 1, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Verse 48 says, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all the generations will call me blessed. Verse 49 says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds, mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has also sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Remembering to be merciful. See, these two texts, they draw my attention to how they as a mother felt after such a historical life-changing event occurred to them specifically. It summarizes their feelings during and after their experiences and that we, the reader, it gives us as the reader what we need to know and understand about the birthing about the birthing of the promises of god in our lives today we're going to talk about the prayer the prophecy the purpose we're going to talk about the prayer the prophecy the purpose, the purpose, and our references are first Samuel 2, and we're talking about Hannah's prayer, and then we go to Luke 1 and 46, and then we're talking about Mary's song. We're talking about Mary's song. Um, you see, uh, when I think about these two, and the reason why I'm drawing from their experiences, because I I can identify. With their experiences, when and when attempting to birth, what you feel is the promise of God, and what is the promise of God? Let me continue. You see, Hannah, um, like some of our experiences, she felt she her experience was around being barren. Uh, that the fact that she was unable to have a child, although it was lawful. For her to have a child because she was married she had a hard time uh carrying a child producing a child getting pregnant so she had a hard time producing what was lawful for her to have in god um and it's still today i think about that visual that others need to know uh you know, she wanted everyone to know that she too was blessed of God too. She too could bear children as well. And not being able to produce that promise, that that promise, that tangible promise that God said that she had, that the law said as a married woman that she could have in that time, she wanted that blessing. She wanted that blessing. She felt like, um, um, being infertile was a disgrace it was a disgrace and it it left her struggling it it felt as if she was without purpose how many of you have felt that today you're trying to produce what is lawful for you to have what god has Promise as something that you can have, but you're unable to produce it today. It can make you feel like you're unable to fulfill the God-given purpose of reproduction, of production. And if that's not enough, you have to, as Hannah did, watch others around you produce what God said we all could have. See Paniah. Uh, uh, his other, the other wife in this scenario, she was able to produce what was lawful with the greatest of ease. She left Hannah feeling mocked, um, made fun of, and useless. I'm painting a picture. How many of you ever felt this? Um, you're not. You're not. You know. You're not selfish. Just like Hannah, you would give to God right back what He gave to you. That's. If you could produce it, if you could manifest it, you would give that promise right back to God. Yet there is no manifestation, so it seems. The promise, you can't touch it. It's not tangible to you. So you pour out your heart to God. You pour out your concerns to God. You pour out your heart and your concerns to anyone who will listen to you and your disappointed state. If you consider that today, the first indication that you are pregnant with the promise of God, you spring into action. So consider that the, the first time you think that that promise of God is about to come into fruition, you spring into action. And sometimes uh, the, the the desire, the desperation for that thing that God has given you permission to have that is lawful in the land for you to have will cause you to spring into action and launch your own will. Your own will, or what excuse me, what for what you believe is necessary for the manifestation. Can you imagine how many times Hannah thought she might be pregnant and her response to only find out once she started bleeding? Not yet, not yet. How many times have you made preparations and it's only it's only after you're bleeding that you realize not yet. It's only after you're, you, re, you see the sign, you see the sign of blood that you know not yet. That bleeding there, it represents a death, a death of your presumptions, a death of your assumptions, a death of your plans. A death of your plans come on focus stay with me i'm going somewhere let's go a little bit further let's talk about mary mary on the other hand had no immediate plans of manifesting the promises of god yet the time for her was right now was right now uh now as in before it was in uh the earth as lawful for her to be with child see today that people have children out of wetlock but in mary's time you didn't have a child you shouldn't be having you wouldn't be having a child out of wedlock if you were married you were expected to be having a child but you were not expected to be having a child if you were not married um she was pregnant though with the manifestation of the promised of God, the promise of God before those around her deemed it lawful for such a manifestation to occur, to occur. The fear that she must've felt as to how she would tell her soon to be spouse That they were having a baby how she would explain such an extraordinary experience to an ordinary man to an ordinary people uh this this trust that had been gifted her by god how would she explain that when that had not yet been seen nothing like that had ever happened before that we've read about in the scriptures how would she explain birthing the promise of god without actually ever having an experience an experience is that is that you you've just been introduced to god and immediately god has decided not you You not even matured to such a level of manifestation, but God says, I'm birthing my promises through you. Now what? Now what? See, I'm painting a picture for you here with Mary, could you imagine the hatred, the looks, the turning up of the noses. Mary must have gotten as she endured this experience because she simply was the one that was chosen, but no one wanted her to be the one. No one wanted it. They didn't even understand what being the one, being the chosen one actually meant. They didn't even know what that meant. However, here's Mary. She is here. She is pregnant with promise. Unlike Hannah, she, she never asked for it. She wasn't even looking for it. She didn't plead with God for it. She didn't groan in agony at an altar for it. She wasn't looking for it and had no idea it was coming. So we have Hannah who's disappointed when she believes and Mary who's amazed when she does not. We have both happening. We have Hannah preparing when she thought this might be her, be it, and it, it was her lawful right. But we have Mary with no preparation, no thoughts of this being the promise, her unlawful right. What we see in the scriptures, however, is the admonition and the praise of Hannah and Mary of their experiences. We see their understanding, their recognition of God, who God meant to them. Each of them, when Mary wrote her song, when Hannah prayed her prayer, each of them, when they were in their experiences of manifesting the promises of God, they still, they still, they still sought God out. They still reached out to Him to touch Him with their praise. With their, with their worship, with their praise, they both walked in their experiences in a shame. They both walked in their experiences in a blame, and assumptions, one through the shame of not having, the other through the shame of having, but the excruciating experiences that I believe some of us might be having today. You see, Hannah, she was in anguish, she was in grief, she was she was one that sought out the Lord in uh first Samuel 1. She wanted to be relieved of the shame of not having a child. She wanted the promise, and guess what? The priest Ally, Eli, Eli, the priest Eli, he thought she was drunk when she was crying out the Lord to the Lord. I read that and I thought to myself, uh, you know. I was, I just was like, you know, God, you, you have Hannah out, you know, in today's terms out in these streets, looking crazy. She is looking crazy because she knows that she can have that promise. She knows legally she can have that promise. All of the prep work is done, but she doesn't have anything to show for it she doesn't have anything to share with the world who of you are in that situation today you know that you can have that promise you know god has spoken it is legal it is lawful for you to have that promise it is lawful for you to have that manifestation but you have nothing to show you have nothing to share with the world you have no proof Hannah is basically in plea mood in her prayer. She is just about in begging mood in her prayer. She is basically please God, why God, please, why, why, why? But then there's Mary who's like in curious mood and asking God, when, I, how, 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 how is this possible when I've not been with a man, when I am a virgin, when I haven't had the experiences necessary to manifest the promise that is spoken to me. See, they both have valid responses. Both of their responses are permissible. One is asking why, the other is asking how. Here is where they differ. Hannah wanted to know what was within her rights as a married woman to have. She wanted to know is she can she have it because it's within her right? It's 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 in the will of God for her to ask that. Uh, why not me? Why not uh the manifestation for me? Mary, she had a prophecy, she had a word from Gabriel, the angel of God, of what was not in her right to have as a unmarried woman at that time in the scriptures in the earth so she wanted to know why so here's the question here's the question the word the word that you hear or the word that has been spoken is it your lawful right as an earthly assumption or Is it your spiritual right? Only what God can do. Which one is it? Is it the word that you heard? Is it lawful or is it spiritual? There's two different words. Is it lawful, Hannah, or is it spiritual, Mary? Is it the prophecy that Gabriel gave her, that more sure word, that witness that says, this is what that messenger that says, this is what God is saying. He has chosen you. Is that the word, the spiritual word that you're receiving? Or is it a lawful word, something that you can have access to? You see, Hannah, she was one of two wives to Elkanah. Uh, Elkanai, her husband, She could have had a child in in many ways and she could have conceived she could have they could have there's conception yes that could happen however in those times they had the maid the the handmade servants like sarah had the maid servants and she sent her husband in to have a child with that she could have sent her husband in to have a child and claimed that child as her own like sarah did in genesis 6 2. um it, but But Hannah, she desired to have that experience of giving Elkanah a child. The Bible tells us of the ridicule she went through of not being able to have a child. So we have to be clear, the word that we, hear, that we hear, the word that we're receiving, is it a lawful word or is it a spiritual word? The thing that uh, lawful would be what everyone has access to and a right to and a legal uh, um, uh, claim to, or is it spiritual? The thing that only God can pronounce and that only God can produce, which one is? Is it? 1 Samuel 1 and 6, it says, Paniah teased Hannah to make her angry. She did it because the Lord had kept Hannah from having children. Paniah verse 7 says, teased Hannah year after year. Every time Hannah would go to the house of the Lord, Elkanah's other wife would tease her. She would keep doing it until Hannah cried and would not eat. So what your desire, what's taking your appetite, what's... uh, Got you uh, being ridiculed and hurt. Is it the thing that is lawful for you to have, or is it again the spiritual thing that only God can do? See, because we found with Hannah that even though it was lawful, it was also the Lord who made her barren. It was also the Lord's doing. So, it, because of what she was dealing with because of what she was dealing with the ridicule the shame she wanted god to allow her to have a child she wanted and she said i will give that child i will give samuel back to you i will i will place him at the feet of the priest, where he can learn of you, grow in your statures, in your image. I will do that if you will give me this child. How many of us desire what we desire while it's lawful uh, for us to have it? Do we just want it because we want to avoid the ridicule that we're having to face for not having it? Why do you want what it is you say you want? What exactly are you trying to prove and who are you trying to prove it to? We have to be clear on our why. We have to be clear on our why. Because Mary, she was going to face some tough times ahead. For the favor of God on her life to birth the promise of God, Jesus. She was going to go through some hard times, some hard ridicules, but I can't help but notice she never asked to be delivered from that. Her only question after receiving that prophecy from Gabriel was how? She only wanted to understand how so, so, ladies and gentlemen, we've arrived at our destination prophecy. What should be our response, and why is prophecy important? Why is it important? Uh, prophecy, I liken it to, um, I'm getting ready to run a race and the gun goes off to tell me to start. It's like a kickoff. It's like a kickoff. It gives us a preview into what God is going to do in our lives. But when I say it's a kickoff, we have to be clear. The kickoff of the process. It's the kickoff of the process. And that's something that I had to grow into understanding. And I'll explain that later. So we want to be clear. It's not going to tell us what is lawful. It's not going to tell us of information we already have access to. Is it lawful for me to have a house? Of course it is. If I can produce and maintain the appropriate credit score, if I can get the down payment together, and if I can prove that I can make those down, those payments every month, then it's lawful for me to have a house. See how the world has set the rules around what it requires to purchase a house? So yes, the world has told me when it's lawful for me to have a house and when it is not. Is it lawful for me to have a child since a am in the world today, it's not so much so a crime to be pregnant without a husband. However, it might prove difficult without a spouse, strenuous uh, even if there's only one spouse. But because it is not against the law of the land to have a children, to have children, I can have a child myself. I can adopt a child. I can even be a surrogate for surrogate for another to have. A child see the things that are of god the things that are of god those promises don't usually fit into such a neat little box i can't just do something and uh the options are not as visible as i start out in the journey as a matter of fact <coughs> things are actually quite blurry as i begin the process of forgiving for uh, as i begin the process of the wait a minute, as i begin the process of fulfilling the prophecy that's what i want to say um if things are blurry and they're unexplainable and they're downright against the norm nothing about them is familiar to me which is why prophecy should cause us to as Mary did, start asking questions of God because while we have permission to start, we do not know which way to go. So we have to ask questions of the one who holds the plan for our lives. We must ask him of the directions. Jeremiah 29:11. He has the plan for our lives. We must start asking him the questions first. We know. Uh, we don't. We know, but we don't know which way to go. Why? Because the prophecy is in part, which means there is a part that we don't know. There is a part that we can't take a wild guess at. We have to. We have to go to the source to get our direction. When we run off when we run off, and I'm telling you, I've I've experienced this. When we run off without asking God questions, we're now attempting to make our own path. We're attempting to make our own plan, and we're now operating outside of the plan that God has for us, all because we didn't ask how. We started trying to make things happen. Yes, God is definitely going to cause all things to work for our good. Romans eight twenty eight. There are lessons we should learn from the experience. And I like to refer to these lessons as markers or identifiers to help us remember so that we don't repeat the same mistakes over and over again. It's a means of not taking ourselves putting our own selves on a merry-go-round over and over and over and over again. It's just something that will remind us, for example, um, and this is something that I used to do before. It's something that reminds us that, um, you know, wait a minute. You know, it's like an alarm goes off. Wait a minute. I did this before. Wait a minute. I did it just like that before. Wait a minute. I said it just like that before, and if something just just alerts you, don't go that don't go that same way because going that same way is only going to get you the same result, the same result. So there is something there is something for us to do in every promise, but we want to make sure that what we're doing is what God wants us to do. So immediately when I hear a prophecy. Uh, what I immediately do now is ask God, how, 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 how? Uh, Like Mary asked of the Holy Spirit, like Mary asked of Gabriel, I'm sorry, when Gabriel told her, she said, how? How am I gonna have a child when I'm a virgin? And then he began to explain to her the plan and the strategy of God. He began to tell her how she was gonna have a child. See, having an identifier or having a marker Is like me having a calendar uh, task that that you know I know that if I don't write something down that I'm going to forget it. So it's my reminder of what needs to be done so that I don't forget it. It's a if I write it down, it's like for me, it's like writing it on my brain. Something is going to trigger uh, me to look at the calendar date and time because I know that something excuse me, is there for me to do. See, when I was younger, let me give you an example. When I was younger, my leader would give me instructions, right? Most of our leads, they give us instructions or something that they need us to do. But before he could finish the instructions, in my mind, I done ran off. I done ran off. I done started the whole thing. I started the whole thing. I was running Before I heard the entire sentence, before I even heard the entire paragraph, I ran off a word. One word. I ran off a word. I build things off of a word rather than a sentence, rather than a paragraph. So you can imagine the crumbling of that building like a six-story building with no floors to separate them and one window. I created a whole mess. So the way I fixed that was I put a marker there to say each time in my mind, to say each time I'm receiving instructions, wait, three times. I found my I found my means of comprehension. Wait, you got to say it three times. He's going to say it, and then he's going to add to it. And then the second time I noticed he would add to it. And the third time, then I noticed he would add to it. So what am I doing? I'm forcing myself to sit and wait for him to complete his instruction, because I knew a little bit more was going to come each time that was going to eventually give me the full picture, the full paragraph of what was needed to be done. So sometimes you have to ask God, and you, but you have to wait. You have to wait for him to reveal to you His plan and the strategy through which the plan is going to be carried out. Because you have to understand, God wants us to finish. He doesn't want us running in vain. He wants us to finish. He wants us to understand. But we have to be willing to wait for the understanding. See, between prophecy and the manifestation is that little thing I mentioned earlier called process. And that is what is the bad word to a lot of us. That's like a curse word when you tell us that we have to go through a process. And I wanna be clear on something because I, I wanna share this with you. This is what I've noticed in my own life. This is what I'm just gonna share this with you, what I've noticed in my own life. That prophecy, um, usually that process, it immediately, it immediately number one, takes me to another level of trusting God. I have to begin to engage with God on another level, Uh, another level of trust, more extensive trust. And not only now am I trusting him for what I can't see, um, the small thing, the, the one sentences, now I have to trust him for the whole book. So now I have to trust him for several paragraphs. I started off learning how to trust them for a word, then a sentence, then a paragraph. Now I have to trust them for an entire book. I have to begin, come to another level of trust. This is starting the process. Number two, I have to walk through until I come to another level of maturity. My understanding must change. What I understood yesterday, (coughs) what I understood yesterday as being A, B, and C, now I understand it as A.1.1.1, A.1.1.2, point one point one point three. B, 1.1.1, whatever I understood, I get more details. So that means I have to come to another level of maturity and understanding. See, because maturity has to catch up with the wisdom that God is giving. So it takes time. It takes another level of trust. And then it takes me maturing to another level of understanding. I can no longer operate under the understanding that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I now need to operate under the understanding God is good. Why? How? Give me proof give me scriptures all the time what exactly does that mean does that mean every day does that mean every hour does that mean when i open my eyes does that mean he's still good when i'm sleep what exactly does that mean do you understand i have to start asking the why questions because i'm expected to have a higher understanding a higher comprehension of who god is and there is a lot to that part because Also, included in that part is separating my wants and desires from what God wants and desires. It is separating the flesh from the spirit. It is separating me from my past experience as to what is happening right now. And then it's me reconciling my truth with with God's truth, which means that I am now starting to agree with God and who. He says, "I am," and that's a lot when you're talking about one phrase. I must mature at a higher level. I must come to a better understanding. Do you not know to mature? I have to put away what what's behind me, what what I experienced in the past. I have to let that go. If that has been ingrained into me, if that has been oh. In, woven into the intricacies of my operation then I now have to go through God has to go through and slowly unthread unthread those things that are all encompassed in the in the in the muscles and in the cells and he has to just weave those things out and pull it out without killing me. Yeah, it's like like when I see people, I knew someone once that had the veins on their legs and you could see them, but they were blue and they explained to me that they're dead. And so you have to get those taken out. You don't have to, but it kind of looks ugly on their legs and they didn't like it. So they had to get it taken out. And they told me of the experience where their legs had to be numbed and the, and the, the doctor went in and pulled the dead veins out. That's what God is doing. He's pronouncing a eulogy of what you don't need anymore and he's taking the time to intricately surgically pull those things out from you just weave it out and then smooth out you know the area that it was in to make room for the uh, the veins that are actually life-giving to expand and the blood to flow freely so that you can have life. It is not a simple process. this is why um, <coughs> this is why I'm saying to you, when you consider prophecy and you consider that you must ask the how question, and then you consider that prophecy actually starts a process, there's no way that somebody's going to prophesy something to you today that's going to manifest tomorrow. It's a process. And I'm sharing with you what this process has looked, for me, looked like for me. It required another trust level, I said, number one. Number two walking through another level of maturity to understand and then it 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 was the kind of thing where um it also um in my process there was my experience it played a part to solidify my understanding my experiences they played a part to solidify my understanding i was able to reflect on experiences and gather those lessons and see them differently i was able to look at experiences um own my part in the experience and look at the experience differently. Look at the people involved with me in the experience differently. Look at look at um, my contribution to the cause and then take that as the Israel did when they crossed over to the promised land and put it as a stone of remembrance. Remember this time. Remember what you saw. So I could tell my children about that time. Tell my children children about those experiences tell my children how God brought me through tell my children how God made ways for us and when they were children and I was busy making uh not not wanting anything to interfere with their childhood so they can have a happy childhood now I can tell them of the experiences uh, like my daughter always says Mom, mommy when we were going through one thing about you we didn't know it because you still you made sure that we got to play at the park You made sure we went to the library you made sure that there you know we had you and daddy made sure that there was food on the table and she said you would she teases me sometimes she said because my mother would get a can of spam fry that thing up and put it on a serving platter like we were eating a gourmet meal and slice the potatoes and design them on the platter we thought we were really having something she talks about how you know my mom would go and my mom and dad would go to the market and my mom would come home with donuts and bagels and cream cheese talking about we having a continental breakfast because i couldn't afford the eggs and the bacon so you see what i'm saying i'm able i have those stones in place now where i can tell them of these experiences and tell them how god brought us through and tell them how god kept us and it's all because i understood that there i took a while but i had i understood that there was going to be a process to the prophecy that was to be manifested over my life, over my husband's life, over my children's life. And I understood that it began with our my husband and I trusting God on another level and walking through those levels of trust so that we could mature and that we could understand. There were some things that the way me and my husband were, I, I know what we've gone through that God couldn't have matured us no other way. Because both of us were so shielded by our parents and so protected that we didn't, some things we just never experienced and we didn't even know that they even existed. We didn't know that they existed. So we would have got out in the world and got killed and while the experiences felt like they were nearly killing us. It was literally just growing pains. It was just the maturing happening. It was just the understanding uh, manifesting of uh, like uh, many, many aha moments as to what God was doing in us for us and through us through us so we can't resent our suffering yes we must understand that prophecy is that is a is a vehicle through which god uses people to speak his oracles to us to prepare us our minds our hearts for what is coming to cause us to submit to what god is doing for us but there is a process there is a process i'm looking right now over at um looking right now at um second peter and one And I'm looking at verses, um, verse 19, starting at verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more certain. And this is them talking about their experience with Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And he said, Peter said, you do well to pay close attention to it as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and light breaks through the gloom and the morning star arises in your heart. But understand something, first of all excuse me understand first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter or of comes from one's own personal or special interpretation so he's saying there put aside put aside your interpretation Put aside what you think God is saying and ask God, what exactly are you saying to me? See, a lot of us have had some of the experiences that we've had and yes, God's gonna work for our good because we don't ask God. We receive a prophecy and sometimes these prophecies that I'm hearing today, they are feeding your flesh. They are feeding your insecurities. And so you run off with a word that says you're the forthcoming of Jesus. There's God, the Holy Spirit and there's Jesus and there's you and you run off with that without even asking God how is that so how is that so see we have to begin to recognize some things we shouldn't we allow these prophets to come to us and prophesy the house and the car and the money we could work hard and we'll get the money we could we could how about this we could ask God how to get the wealth assigned to our hands and when he gives us the plan when he gives us the plan then how about we uh execute on that plan rather than always looking for the quick fix looking for the quick money maker how about we work how about we work you know don't you come and you're saying some of the prophets and that god's gonna give you a house god's gonna give you work hard Get your credit score up. You can get a house. Nobody has to prophesy that to you. But you know, telling you your social security number, you don't know that. Telling you your house address, you don't know that. You know, we have to stop. We have to start calling these false prophets on the carpet, these false prophetess on the carpet. No, guess what? If your credit's horrible, no, you're not getting a house. Let it go. You're not getting one. Get your get your credit together. Get an apartment if someone will give you one. Until you can get it together, you want this, you want cat. You want money. Work, <coughs> work, 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 work. The plan that God has given you. Work it. See, we're lazy. We're lazy, and we want someone to come prophesy millions to us because we're lazy. We're lazy. We don't want to talk to people. We don't want to associate with people. We don't want to go and get the wealth that the wicked have in their hand from us. We don't want to go take it back. We don't want to we don't want to go earn it back. Create. God has given you an idea right now that will have the wicked sowing into it left and right get the money back out of their hands but no well, I can't talk to them they not saved. they're not delivered but you're not going to get the wealth out of their hands you got to figure out how to get the wealth out of their hands we are we are sometimes uh back in the day the old the old folks used to say so heavenly minded you know earthly good we're no earthly good We're no earthly good. We want to believe anything that satisfies our train of thought. And what they're saying here is what you think, what your interpretation is, is not likely the interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. They're saying their prophecies. We're not not telling you anything of our own will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Men who are moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. And guess what? When they spoke from God, Mary, when they spoke from God, you're birthing something that only God can birth. You're birthing something that only God can birth. Only what God can do. Only what God can do. Go to Ephesians 3, 19 and 21, and I'm going to close it out here. And it says at verse 19, and that you may come to know practicality. Through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses, and I'm in the Amplified um, Bible, mere knowledge without experience. That's that maturity that I was talking about, that you may be filled up through your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God Himself. And then He says this. And it's closed. now unto him who is able to carry out his purposes and do super abundantly more than we can dare ask or think. This is this are, These are the times when prophecy comes. It's, it's got to be something that you, more than you could have asked or thought of, more than you can ask or if anything I think of. I'm like, that's not it. That's not it because I thought of that. That that can't be it because I thought of that. That can't be it. It's got to be, challenge God today. It's got to be above all I can ask, or it says here, all that we dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever amen and i'm stuck on that verse 20 to him to him that is able to carry out his purposes god is the one that carries out his purposes so when prophecy comes we go to god he has the purpose the purpose whatever it is we're doing is his it's his it's his purpose is his plan go back to the creator and ask him how because he's doing super abundantly more than you even asked or thought about more than your greatest prayer your greatest hope or your greatest dream you cannot come and tell me something that i thought of you can't come and tell me something you got to tell me what god is saying that mary was not thinking about having a baby in that moment that was not the thing that was on her mind in that moment that if the angel was coming to talk to her that she thought he was saying she was not thinking about having a child in that moment what is god saying prophets prophetess what is god saying that is above that is above that is above all that we have asked or that we have thought of, the all that we have prayed for, above all our hopes, above all our dreams. What is God saying? If someone comes to you and they're not saying something that's above all, that's above all you hope, dream, or prayed for, something that only God can do. Yes, there is a part for you to do. That's the process that God's going to walk you through so that you can be able to carry out the prophecy that has been spoken over your life. Can I tell you that a lot of the things that God has me doing right now, I ain't never think of that. I never considered that. I never thought I'd meet the people that I'd meet. I never thought I'd get the help that I'm getting. I never thought that I'd do the things that I'm doing right now. And there's still more to come. There's still, when people are speaking into my life that I'm working with now, they are speaking things that I've not thought of. They're telling me things that I'd not even consider. They are raising my expectation of what God is doing. Sometimes we think too little of God. We think too little of God as if we can only be what we've always been, as if we can only do what we've always done. But God is calling us to a place that we've not been before, a place that that we've not seen before, and to that thing that only he can do. Only he can do it in us and through us, for us. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking about the prayer the prophecy, the purpose. We have to be clear of the purpose, clear of what God is doing, clear of what God is saying in our lives, clear of how God is going to use us in this time. And we cannot allow the enemy. We just can't allow him to to come in and deter us at this point. We can't allow it to be. We can't allow it to be. Let me pray for you before we end this session. Um, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you most of all for life. For those under the sound of my voice, I thank you for their health and their strength and their peace. I thank you, God, for everything that you're doing for us, in us, and through us. I thank you, God, that you're raising us up to be that which we've never been before, that which we've never encountered before, that which is above all we've hoped for, all that we've prayed for, all that we've comprehended, because you're calling us to a greater level of maturity. You're calling us to a greater level of understanding. You are calling us, oh God, God, to walk worthy of that vocation where and we are called that plan God that you've had for us that we've not tapped into yet you're calling for us to manifest it within that plan and we thank you oh God God right now I shut the mouth of the false prophets and the false prophetess I seal your mouth shut I seal your lying tongues shut that your false prophecies and your false direction would no longer delay the men in and women of God, I call forth the the men and the women of God to hear and obey only the voice of god the the sheep will only hear the voice of the shepherd another voice they will no longer follow i command your feet to walk in the predestined footsteps that god has already designed for you i command your hands to only work the work that is a part of the plan that god has for you i command you lord god to share now the plan and the strategy to with your men and women of god that you have for them so that they will no longer be to be deterred be taken off course by their own by their own choice by their own choice god feel god now every void, feel god every crack and crevice Fill, God, now everything, God, that the enemy would use, that the enemy would use to deter us away from your will and your purpose, God. Fill that gap now, God. Fill that gap now, God, with your love, with your plan, with your purpose. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of jesus i pray and i thank you that you're doing it for everyone under the sound of my voice i thank you oh god that they are sealed in you in jesus name i pray in jesus name i pray i pray i pray i thank you so much for joining on this evening if you would like to donate to this podcast the information is at the bottom of your screen I appreciate you again And um, I look forward to seeing you on next week So join me on next week And remember until next week Don't let go No matter what comes No matter what happens Do not let go of God's unchanging hands Have a good week guys Thank you so much